0: this morning is good and that hey um, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about something I call the the sin principle you ever done anything and you, you knew it wasn't right when you done it but you done it anyway you just just could not do it that pressure just build up and you just done it anyway you know the the the, the frustration the the aggravation the disappointment you're mad at yourself all all those feelings we have when we you know when when we do those things uh, you know it, it for some reason, we got this facade that we think when we get saved that we're going to be perfect from that point on, but that's just a facade it, it'll it'll never happen. We strive to do better, we strive not to, but there's a force that we're born with. That, that, that we fight with every day, all day. And, and I'm, I usually don't make a lot of notes, but I want to take you through a series of thoughts here before I get started to, to, to get your mindset on what, what we want to talk about. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 3 once we get there. But, but have you ever wondered as hard as we try to do right, we find ourselves doing wrong? you ever thought about why we're always enticed to do wrong? Has anybody ever been enticed to do good? We never get enticed to do good. We always get enticed to do bad. You know, and and, and as I think about these things, you know, there's reasons why. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because the day we were born... That seed to fight against right was born with us. It was embedded with us. And as long as we live, it's called the flesh. As long as we live, it is always going to be contrary to what's in our spirit because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. we always going to have as much steps that we think we make in a split second, we'll find ourselves turned around backwards. You know, you ever go somewhere and something comes up and then you find yourself saying or doing something you wish you hadn't done? you just like, where did it come from? It just come up. It just came out. You know, all those. So so there's reasons for that. And, and I think a lot of times, especially young Christians, they struggle because for some reason, we've implied to them that once you get saved, you can never make another mistake. And we have people, we, it's, it's sad, but we have Christian folks that, that condemn people when they fall off the wagon. But if you ain't ever fall off the wagon, then you ain't never done nothing. Anybody, any Christian has fell off of the wagon. So let's look here in Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> We're going to read this first part, but we want to get to, to the middle part of this, this chapter it says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said unto the woman yea have God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God said ye shall not eat neither shall ye touch it lest ye die I won't say this is not part of the message, but did you notice that she added something there that God didn't tell her? He, He never told them not to touch it. And that's why when you, we don't need to quote scriptures from memory. Because the more we quote them, we'll begin to add things, take away things, move things around. And it won't be what we originally thought. You know, I heard this guy say one time, you know, the memory of a potato never fed nobody. Same thing, the memory of a scripture never brought any faith. Because faith don't come from memory. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doeth know that in the day ye eat thereof your eyes, or your five physical senses, what you see, see all the five senses, that your senses shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And I always thought that word knowing, I, I went back to the Kumash, which is the, the, the rabbis and scribes' commentary of, of, of these first five books of the Bible, because I always thought that word meant intimate knowledge, you know, a, a deeper understanding of, of something in there. But, but actually, it, when you read it in the Hebrew, it says knowledge by experience anybody got any knowledge by experience hmm? so god has knowledge he knows what hate is but he never experienced hate and god's best for the for his people or for adam here was adam to have knowledge without experiencing it and you say, well, that sounds contrary, but we do the same thing to our kids. Why do we tell our kids don't do something? We already have that knowledge by experience, and we're trying to give them that knowledge without experience. So they don't have to go through the same hardship that we went through. But because of what we're talking about this morning, how many of you know, most time your children don't go by what you say, they go by what they do. They're independent free moral agents and they don't believe grass is green. But you ever notice though how, how dumb we are when kids are in their teens and their early 20s and then all of a sudden we become smart again? You know? Why? The good old world has slapped them upside the head and put some sense in them, right? Hmm? Isn't that? That's the same way we are. You know, we, we want to condemn Adam, but we're the same way. You know? We. we Well, you know, it won't be that way with me. Well, I do it and it won't happen to me like that. See, so we're not valuing that knowledge with just keeping us from having that experience. All right, let's read on. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. I always wonder where everybody, all these pictures got Eve by herself, like Adam. You know, the Bible says he was standing right there with her. And uh, i tell you something, that's the Kamash says about this. That Adam didn't, see, we always say, well, Adam should have said something. He knew better than this. The Kamash says Adam wanted to eat the fruit bad as Eve did. He just didn't want to be the one to do it. So he was in agreement with her. It says in verse 7, And their eyes, or the five physical senses of them both, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, when God created Adam and Eve... They were clothed with the glory of God. See, God, God says that everything produces from the inside out. See, a tree produces its bark from the inside out. See, everything produces from the inside out. So we're not a class that was separated. That glory, that spirit inside of us produced that glory shield around them and then when they transgressed god's commandment bam that left them and then the first time they realized that they were naked realized that they had lost their clothing they had lost that anointing see and we got that back in in jesus you know and this is a kind of a a, a a little joke around here is you know you know we we live in a bubble you know, I may get outside of my bubble to, to, to help you get in my bubble, but I'm not staying outside of that anointing very long. I'm going to step back and maybe help you. But that's the same thing. That's what that anointing is, that burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. When Jesus went to the cross, we got that force field back. See, that anointing flow It said that same anointing that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us and makes alive our mortal bodies it flows out of us and this job is to remove burdens and destroy yokes that's what it's there for that ain't got nothing to do with what we're talking about but in verse nine and the lord god called to adam and said unto him where art thou or the actual greek says why has your heart changed See, it was a spiritual change, not a physical change that happened to Adam. He died. The death was spiritual death, not, which would cause his physical death. But as Hebrew says, why has your heart changed? Or, or you have had a 180 in your spirit. See? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked And I hid myself. So we see the first time here, fear introduced. I know some of this is rehearsing to some of you. We're going to get somewhere with this. See, what we call fear today is originally Adam's faith. That faith that God gave Adam is what we call fear. But it got contaminated when he went against, against God. What was his faith now become his fear. And when God used to walk in the garden and say, Adam, Adam would say, here I am. That faith caused him to run to God. And then when he transgressed, it turned to fear and it caused him to run from God. That's say, it's the same spiritual force. It has just taken a 180. And that's why when, when we mess up, what's the first thing we don't want to do? We don't want to talk to God. We don't want to have no part of that. Why? We think he's disappointed in us. We're disappointed in ourselves. The same spiritual force that Adam is dealing with is the same one that we deal with when we mess up. Instead of going to where we can get help, we want to run from that help. We have that same heart change. What happened to our heart? It turned away from God instead of turning to God, that that force that drives us. Right? Now, if it's going to get to where we want to be here. In verse 11, God said, who told you you was naked? Where did you get that information from? Hast thou eaten of the tree, wherefore I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, the woman which thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Ask your question: Is there a difference between an excuse and a lie? Is there a difference between an excuse and a lie? Maybe technically, you could say it, but the per- purpose of both of them is to deflect responsibility. You never heard nobody make an excuse when they're right, right? Only when they're wrong. We want to deflect that that, that responsibility and try to save face instead of facing whatever we did head on. He says here, and the man said, the woman which thou gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Our first response when this Fear, faith turned to fear, our first response is always to make an excuse for not living up to the standard. See, this Bible is nothing more than a standard setter. It sets standards for our lives, for our country. And that's how we determine right and wrong. And when we violate this standard, we know in our heart we violated it but we don't want to take full responsibility for it. We want to say, well, if so-and-so hadn't have done what they done, I wouldn't have had to do what I did. I wouldn't have said what I said if they didn't say what they said, which is what? Instead of taking ownership, it deflects responsibility. I, I know this is kind of a, a joke in our household. Uh, I, I just believe your you word is supposed to be your word. Don't, don't mince them. You know, and, and I don't remember if it was Joshua's in high school or Tore was in high school, but, but, but the word snap got to be popular. Oh, snap. Uh, I don't know which one of them. Y'all heard that before? They said, oh, oh, snap. And I said, well, wait, 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 wait. The only reason you say it's snap is because you ain't got the backbone to say S-H-I-T. <laughs> That's the only reason. Is that right or wrong? You say dang because you ain't got the backbone to say damn. That, that, that's, I mean, let's cut to the chase. Is that right or wrong? Huh? We say gosh dang it instead of saying, huh? But it's the same in the, in, in, in the spirit and to God. You just as well as to have said it. See? I don't know if it makes some cussing sounds now, ain't we? <laughs> but you see, see my point. We 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 hide behind these little things. And and, and instead of being brutally honest and facing up, we we, we come up with those things. And they mean the same thing. It's just a way to deflect it and really think what we want to think without really saying what we want to say. And and both are wrong. It's just as wrong to say snap as it is to say the other. They both just just as wrong. Y'all with me? Don't even lose my train of thought with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like I said before, when you when you make a mistake, own up to it. And I, I learned this uh, a, a, as I got older. I used to live by this philosophy: it's better to get forgiveness than permission. you know, ever done that? It's huh? better to get forgiveness than permission. But we can stop a lot of Family arguments, church arguments, job arguments, whatever the argument. If we would take responsibility and not make excuses. For instance, let's just, I'm going to pick on Miss Patty. She won't mind. Maybe i do something that makes Miss Patty really mad. All right. And she's got the next two or three days before we come back to church. I'm going to tell that coker. I'm tired of this. I ain't putting up with it. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to set him straight. I'm going to put him in his place. She spends all them days replaying what she's going to tell me. Burnt her whole week. Whether I did it intentionally or not, it don't matter. It affected her the same way. See, she spent all this week rehearsing what she's going to do. Now, now watch this now. Take responsibility for your mistakes. Because more than likely, I know that I offended her. And I should have fixed it right that instant, but I didn't, all right? So as soon as I hit that door right here, what's fixing to happen right here? Does it have to be confrontation? I want to show you something. I want to show you something. If I know I'm wrong, I got to take responsibility for it. Now, she's fired up. She's fixing to... Tell me all this stuff. She's done got it all planned out. She's rehearsed it. She got it verbatim. She's just going to put it on me. Huh? And I walk up and I say, Miss Patty, I'm so sorry. I offended you. I apologize. I I I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Now, what happened to all of that energy? It's gone. Gone. It's hard for her to chew me out when when I'm telling her what she wanted me to tell her. It took all that steam out of that argument because I'd be willing to take responsibility for my part. Now, if i got too much pride and I don't, then it'll never be the same. She'll say what she's going to say. I'll make excuses. And she'll never think of me the same anymore. So you've got one time to break people's trust. Once you break trust, it's hard to ever get. It, it can be. It takes a lot of help from God. But it's hard to get. When somebody lies to you or deceives you, you never look at them the same anymore. You never think about them the same anymore. See? Well, we got to understand, especially to the outside world, that how they see us is how they see Jesus. they don't think much of me, then they don't think much of Jesus. And I'll never be able to help them find God. So this sin principle that makes us do these things, the God side is I have to be, have enough backbone to own up to what I do. To fix that. To take responsibility for that. And you won't have to apologize many times until you won't do it no more. You know, I made my, this pact with myself. If, if, if I do something in public, I fix it in public. Yes, yes. I don't go and say, hey, Miss Patty, come over here in this room. Let's me and you talk. Mm-hmm. I made that pact with why? Because if I embarrass myself long enough, I'll quit doing it real quick. Right. Huh? But if I can do it behind closed doors, nobody up me and Patty, it, I don't lose face with y'all. Right. See? But I mean, if I'm willing to embarrass her openly, then I got to be willing to apologize openly. And that puts a different level on me. And I said, it'll it'll, it'll break that habit. It'll change. All right, now let's go to Romans. I want to show you something here. Paul did a lot of teaching here to the Romans about this self-conflict or this self-fight that we have. Romans chapter 7. Your page is turning. We ain't in no hurry. I want you to see it in your Bible. We're going to have it on the screen, but ain't nothing like making notes in your own Bible. All right. Verse 14. Chapter 7, verse 14. For we know that... You should go back and read this whole chapter when when you have time, but we want to to get the whole meaning of where he's going here. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not... But what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Let's see this in the Amplified here. For I do not understand my own actions. We ever been there? I'm baffled. I'm bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish. But I do the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instincts condemn. Now, what about this? When you see something you want to do, we call it temptation. Have you ever noticed that that thing begins to build pressure inside of you? That pressure just builds and builds and builds until all of a sudden it just poof. It just just busts out. And, And then once we open that spigot, it is hard to shut up. That's when things get said that that can't can't be taken back. You know, I heard a guy say, you can't unscramble the egg. You know, once you get it out there, it, it, it's out there. But, you know, and whether, whether it's a habit or, or, or you want to say something or you want, you know, if you want to quit eating them Krispy Kremes and you eat them every night, that first night you don't eat them Krispy Kremes, what's happening? That flesh is saying what? I need a Krispy Kreme. I got to have a Krispy Kreme. Come on now. Come on now, we start tomorrow. Come on now, we need a Krispy Kreme. And it don't it bills, it bills, it, it, it builds. We're smoking, we're whatever it is. And the next thing we know, we find ourselves doing exactly what, what we don't want to do. Because that flesh puts pressure on us to do that. All right, let's read on. Verse 17. Now it's not... Now it is no more I that do it, but the sin or the sin principle that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, and how to perform that which is good I find not. Now I circle that word in my Bible, that word will. That's that's what we call our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's... Because we have those emotions, that mind, that will, emotion, that what's the word, that, that, that drive, it comes from what we feed ourselves, and to fix what we're talking about, we're going to see it in, in a minute. I, I get a little ahead of myself. We got to change what we see, what we think, what we hear, what we say, to start retraining that. See, God, God made us habitual people. A lot of people say that on purpose because he created Adam to be habitually good. It's that same force, but when we took that 180, it makes us want to be habitual. That's why habits are so hard to break, because our human spirit was designed to make habits, to make a habit. And then, then what happens? When you make that habit, your spirit reminds you of it. See, if you eat lunch at the same time every day... And then you miss it by a few minutes, what starts happening? Time to go to lunch. Time to go to lunch. Let's eat. Let's eat. That that flesh will start, that, that spirit will start reminding you right then. It wants to keep you on track. See? But it's the same thing if you read and study or pray if, it, it, around the same time every day. Then that day you get busy and you go past that time, it's going to say, hey, Need to pray, need to pray, need to pray. See, it works in the good just like it does the bad. But because of this sin principle, we see it more in the bad and, and can, can visualize it more in the bad than we ever do the good because we're used to it all the time of doing it. But it's designed to keep us correct and keep us straight. And that's why habits are hard to break. Because we are our spiritual DNA, we're created that way to, to make those, those habits. Let me get back to my page here. Let's read verse 18 again. For I know that in me that no, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Put that up in Amplified, guys. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. All right, let's read on. I'll talk about that in just a second. For the good, verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not, it is no more I that do it, but the sin principle that dwelleth in me. But I find then a law, he's talking about an established principle, an established spiritual principle here, that when I would do good, evil is present within me. Put that up in Amplified, then I want, I want to talk about it a second. So I find it to be a law, a rule of action of my being, that when I want to do what is right and good, evil is ever present within me and I am subject to its instant demands now so we know all this so how do we fix all this when we got saved most of the time we thought that's all we ever had to do that's all they are too I'm going to save them go to heaven but we still got to live this life Jesus died to give us back what Adam lost. That was the whole purpose of Jesus dying, was to give us back what Adam lost. To put us back in that spiritual form that Adam was created to be. But where we live is our flesh is stronger than our spirit. Our flesh man is stronger than our spirit man. And as long as our flesh man, our earthly man, our devilish man is stronger than our spiritual man, then it is very hard to get over this. But the more time we spend in this word, retraining ourselves, relearning our habits, then our spiritual man is supposed to be bigger than our fleshly man and the spirit man is supposed to tell the fleshly man what to do. But most of the time... The fleshly man's got spirit man by the nape of the neck, and he's just leading him around. And we go by how we feel, we go by how we think, we go by what we see. All those natural emotions just keep us tossed all over in life without any steady place to be. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 12. And we'll close it up here. says romans chapter 12 verse 2 be not conformed to this world don't be put in this world's mold the way they act the way they do the way they think because remember it's going to be 180 from what god thinks the way the world thinks is always going to be 180 180 degree different than what god thinks don't be conformed and put in that mold, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God. Now that word transformed there in the Greek means metamorphosis. We call that, you know, when I the bug goes into the cocoon and he comes out a butterfly. We call that metamorphosis. It ain't the bug that goes. What goes into the cocoon? It ain't the bug. It's something else. The, the caterpillar, yeah, the caterpillar goes in the in, in in there, and he comes out what totally different than he went in. See, so when we get saved, we have to purpose in our heart to end up totally different than we went in. See, we should be able to look, uh, and, and, and I, I find this true with, with 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 the crew I used to run run with years and years ago. And when I look back at that I, I don't even recognize that person anymore I, I, I'm not that, that, that person anymore I don't, I don't recognize that I, I, you know and, and when, when, I, when and when some of them get together you know and start talking about that, that kind of stuff you know they, they, they don't recognize me anymore either I, I ain't that person no more I had that metamorphosis the same thing that you did. As time goes by, with your salvation, we ought to become more and more and more Christ-like every day, all day, and we will become a complete person that we don't recognize anymore. And I used to have a a, a lot of guilt. I won't, I won't get into what's and why about some of the things that that, that went on and and that I did, and. I was sitting in my recliner one day. I read you call it feeling sorry for yourself. Because from time to time I start thinking about that and I start feeling bad about it and and you know and and, and guilt about it because some of the people are not even on earth anymore. And and, and I sat down and, and and I just heard it, I mean I heard an audible voice, I just heard this. That man's dead. That man don't exist no more. That person that did all that, he, he he's dead. But I had still carried that twenty, twenty five, thirty years later, I'm still carrying that baggage that I don't have to carry. That man don't exist no more. When I when I said, Lord, come into my heart and be my Lord, he forgot about all that. I w- I I wasn't smart enough to know it. He tried to forget it, but I kept reminding him. You know, and that's the same thing we are when we when we do some of this stuff, say things or whatnot to, you know the Bible says now there is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus so where is the condemnation coming from it's coming from the devil see your sin ain't none of the devil's business that's between you and God don't get condemned when you mess up and go make more mistakes when you, condemn, when you, when you mess up, fess up put it behind you and remember now what does he say He says he don't remember that anymore. He don't remember it anymore. But because we are how we are, we continually bring it back up to him. How's he ever going to forget it if we keep bringing it up? And I had had this person... Let me get a sheet of paper right here. I had this person do this one time and, and it really made real sense to me. That is me with all of my sins, all that writing on this paper. That is me with all my sins. And when I got saved, God did this. And He said, Now you write on it what you want me to see about you. I got a clean slate. Every time I mess up and I fess up, it goes from this to this. Now write on it what you want God to see you as. How do you want Him to see you? How do you want to be. See, mess it up, fix it up. He starts you blank every time. Starts you blank every time we mess up. Boom, he'll turn it back around. Now let's see this in the message, guys. I'm trying to close. So don't be calm so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. As long as I keep fessing it up, He'll keep bringing that best out of me. He'll keep bringing that best out of me. But I got to change where I'm getting my information from. Because as long as I'm getting it from everybody around me, I'm going to keep acting like everybody around me. But when I start getting information from him, then I become more like him. And these slip-ups and running off at the mouth, all those things will begin to get further and further and further apart. You know, it is we don't like to hear people talk like this, but it's possible to go all day without sinning. We don't. We, you know, we are not sinners saved by grace. We either a sinner or we saved by grace. We can't be both. But we hear something. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you ain't. You or the other. You're either an old sinner or you saved by grace. When you get saved by grace, that part of you is gone. But there is possibility for us to go without sinning all the time, without messing up all the time. But it all goes back to. How much effort and time am I willing to give God to see this transformation? you know it's nice to have, have have a God that can solve any problem if he can solve any problem. why I worry about it all the time? Why am I upset about it? But we have to begin to do this. We have to begin to say, "I want different, I want to be different, I want to feel different i don 't want to be swayed by what I see in the news. I don't want to be swayed. For what You know, and I say this all the time, especially to, 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 to teenagers at, at school. Well, so-and-so, so-and-so said this about me. And I say, are you? No, no. I said, well, then why does it matter what they said? What say. Mm-hmm. If that ain't you, why does it matter what they said? Huh? They called you ugly. They called you stupid. They called you stinky. Whatever they called you. Four eyes, it don't matter. Funny, <laughs> do you- do you- baby, uh, But if that ain't you, why? Peer pressure. What other people think about me is so important that I'll change my behavior to satisfy them. So then I'm living my life for them, not for me. You think about that. That's what we do. We want to fit in. We want to feel welcome. But we're not designed to feel welcome in this world. We're supposed to be oddballs. We're supposed to think different, act different, look different, talk different. We're supposed to be. We're not supposed to. If I can fit in with all that, then that's what I am. And, th- and then, then my thinking will line up to the way they think. And I'll never be a success at what God wants me to be. I'll always can rise to the level that they'll let me. Because when they start putting pressure on me, I begin to change my behavior. Instead, the other way around. See, we need to be the ones that changes the environment. We need to be the ones that change the conversation. We need to be the ones, when we walk in the room, that all that stuff shuts up. Because we won't put up with it. We won't be around it. We won't tolerate it. We won't have it. Why? Because it's contaminating my soul. It's contaminating my soul. It's contaminating my thinking. And that's affecting my ability to talk to God. See, everybody talks about money, but money... It's not the most powerful thing. Learning, hearing from God is the most powerful thing. I won't need the money. It'll help me with the money. It'll help me with it'll help me with whatever if I can hear that voice. So think about that this week. Where are you getting the influences from? Where are you getting the information from? That's causing us. And we all know what habits we have. It's different for everybody. It's not the same. We all have different different, you know, uh, we, we all have those same basic. Instinct, but, but but some of us are are timid people. Some of us, like me, are loud people. The loud people have a more tendency to overstep that boundary. The, the, the shy person have the same thoughts; they just won't act on it. It don't it don't change the the, the sin principle. They just don't act on it. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you about that. <laughs> so think about this week. Be seriously. Take 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 a inventory of yourself this week tonight. And say, God, I, I, I don't, I don't want to continue like this. My life's in turmoil. My life's upside down. I, I'm just going from problem to problem to issue to issue. Uh, there's just no stability. It don't have to be that way. It can be different, but we got to choose to make it different. Amen. 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 Y'all enjoy that. Amen. Thank y'all. <laughs> Who's got the announcements today? We don't have any now. Miss Karen, you got? Them? Oh yeah, Miss Karen. Let's see what's going on around our church. Join us Tuesday, June sixth, at nine a.m. for.